0: نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا إنه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله بلغ رسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح الأمة وكشف الغمة وتركنا على المحجة البيضاء Allahumma salli wa barak ala sayyidina wa habibina wa qudwatina Muhammad ibn wa ala alihi wa sahbihi In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the gracious, the merciful, I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship and adoration and submission except Allah the creator, nourisher and sustainer of the heavens and the earth. And I bear witness that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi is his final messenger. My dear brothers, my dear sisters, exactly three years ago, September 2015, one of our students uh, from a student community at the University of Maryland, a young man, uh, just about to turn 20 years of age, was in his room. And we know we probably have forgotten the story. I have not. Exactly three years ago, his father would show up from Baltimore, drive to campus from Baltimore, called his son downstairs and his son would go into the car the father would pull out a gun shoot his son and shoot himself that right after having killed his own wife in a big home in Baltimore this is a son that all of us knew um, and subhanallah brothers and sisters, he was about to turn literally 20 years of age within 3 days Farhad siddiqui and the father's name is Nasser and the mother's name is Zarqa these are real people exactly a month ago September 5 a woman thriving, prosperous woman, very highly educated a helper of the community looking not only normal but very successful an achiever who's out to help the community to lead a person that we're actually proud of from the Adams Center community strangely enough one night comes home, brothers and sisters, as claimed, kills her own two children, 10 and 11 years of age, exactly a month ago, then kills herself. In between, brothers and sisters, in between, and I've dealt with some of those cases, we've had at least seven suicide cases of Muslims in this community from people as young as 11. A girl, 11, from you know, ISB, from the ISB community. Just a few, few, few months ago, we had to deal with that tragedy as well. My question to you today, brothers and sisters, is how many more cases do we need to shock us into understanding that we have a problem as a community, as Muslims. That is not being addressed. How can people that look normal to you and me, normal, it could be here. Normal people coming from good families, achieving families, prosperous, have all the means available to them look like they are not suffering from any issues end up either killing someone or killing themselves how can lives like this be lost? I ask you this question and that's my subject to you and myself today something worthy of reflecting on how many more suicides do we need to be shocked with to understand that this is a problem in our community and it must have taken a long journey for someone to end up killing themselves, it didn't just pop out of nowhere, absolutely not The World Health Organization estimates that there's 20%, 20% of the global population, 20%, a billion people at least suffering from mental health illnesses. Estimations for the Muslim community, the Muslim population across this earth is probably close to 100 million at least. And there's at least, if you have gotten exposed to mental health, there's at least 200 mental disorders or mental illnesses that people can suffer from from things that are very mild to things that are very severe, that we all are ignorant of but this is definitely a real problem you know, reflecting on those statistics, how many of us right now are not accepting them some people will still argue, and I'm gonna tell you, we argue for one of three reasons or because of one of three reasons, either we do not understand and we refuse to admit our ignorance number two, we might be in denial Number three, we're shoving it under the word, brothers and sisters. And we're stigmatizing. Stigmatizing people with mental health illnesses. I ask you a question today. Do you know what stigma means? Many people use the word, they don't understand what it means. Stigma means dishonor, disgrace. Meaning that someone who suffers from a mental ailment, a mental illness, is looked upon as someone who is dishonored, disgraced. We're, we're embarrassed by them, we're uncomfortable around them we look at it as something to be ashamed of something to be ashamed of and that's what stigma is all about if you don't understand what stigma means I'm going to share with you a thought exercise thought exercise to show you the power of stigma and that it's real in you and me if, if you were um, assigned to go to a meeting invited to go to a high level meeting and you're supposed to speak at that meeting and suddenly you realize you can't go to the meeting. You have to come up with an excuse. You have to call your boss or someone that has invited you. Last-minute cancellation, something happened, you can't go. But you have to come up with an excuse. And we do this all the time. You have two options. Either to say that you have a headache or you have a kidney stone. I have some kidney stones. That's why it comes to my mind. Right? And they're painful. You have some, a kidney stone, right? That is kind of kicking up the pain for you or you have a headache, or option two, you say, I'm really depressed and suicidal. Which one would you pick? If you pick number one, and it's not real, and you might be actually feeling depressed, it's because of the stigma of mental illness. That's the power of it. How many of us would choose the latter? If we're truly depressed, and something is going on in our heads, and we're having some bad thoughts in our heads, none of us, brothers and sisters, would admit to this. You know why? Because we're terrified of admitting to the fact that we have a mental illness. What are our attitudes as Muslims today? You and I, in this community, and beyond, towards mental illnesses, and towards people who are suffering from them. I'm here to tell you, both sisters, that it's devastating. It's cruel. It's unusual. I've actually talked to psychotherapists, non-Muslim psychotherapists, who have told me, that of all populations on this earth, the hardest people with the hardest attitudes towards mental illness are Muslims. They are in denial of it, or they stigmatize it, and they shame people who suffer from it. They refuse treatment. How often do you see Muslims seeking treatment? Very few, if any. Automatically there is rejection, there is embarrassment, there is shaming around us. Think of the labels you and I use for people suffering from mental illness. I can share with you something in my days of jahiliya, my days of ignorance, more than 50 years ago, I'll never forget when uh, someone at my work told me about a colleague of mine who was very intelligent, non Muslim. He said, "You know what? He's on antidepressants. He's on antidepressant. I swear, I, I remember my reaction. I was like, "Oh, he's on antidepressants." I was like, "Whoa!" I felt so bad for him, and I swear to you, I thought he was abnormal. And I thought, oh my God, if only he was Muslim, maybe he will not need antidepressants. If only he was Muslim, he will not need antidepressants. I want to ask you today, how many of us have that attitude? And we persist with this attitude. Believing that somehow to be Muslim is to be immune from mental health issues. That somehow having a mental health issue is a form of ingratitude. Or that perhaps if you have a mental health issue of of any variety, it means that Allah is angry with you. How often do we shame people, brothers and sisters, and call them crazy? At least in our heads, we say something is wrong in our head. Something is messed up with them. How often do we have that in our heads? Or speak speak ill of those people who are suffering from issues, call them crazy, call them weak, call them violent. How often do we, in our heads, have solutions for these people that are very quick? Have you seen people with eating disorders? What do we tell them? Suppose some relative of yours, your sister, your brother, your cousin, your friend has an eating disorder, they can't eat, and you see them thinning and thinning. What's the first thing that comes in our heads? Eat more! Why don't you force her to eat? Eat more, it's in your head! If you'd only eat more, you would not have that problem. You caused it to yourself because of things in your head. How often do we think of that brothers and sisters? How often do we say there is no depression in Islam? How often do we tell people who are looking desperately for treatment, for a channel to help themselves, you don't need therapists, you need Allah. You need to pray more, you need more Qur'an in your life, because if you do so, it's gonna help you and treat all of your problems. How ignorant, brothers and sisters. We absolutely need Allah in our lives. We absolutely need the Qur'an in our lives. But do you think, you tell the same thing to somebody who has cancer, just go pray, What do we tell brothers and sisters people who have cancer, who have physical ailments? What are your attitudes and my attitudes for people who have physical illnesses compared to mental illnesses? And why is there a difference? What do we call people suffering from a serious case of cancer, who is going through treatment? They are going through chemotherapy or, or radiation. Think of the labels we have for them, courageous, strong, We speak well of them, we admire them, we make doubt for them, we say, Ya Allah, how admirable that you're fighting your illness. We push them, we encourage them, we suggest solutions for them, we recommend other treatments for them. Isn't it true? What if somebody presents to you with something like depression? Which is on the scale of mental illnesses, it's right there on the spectrum, anxieties. It doesn't have to be just bipolar or schizophrenia. These are serious clinical disorders that really needs serious interventions and treatments but do you know that most of the people will end up killing themselves becoming suicidal? I've seen those buses. I've been in hospitals with suicidal students who attempted to kill themselves you know what started? depression anxiety social alienation from family and community it started with a little little seed and because it was unattended to it escalated to a person wishing to take their lives away because they lost all hope and they were at a point of despair. It doesn't have to start with something clinical, it could start with something very tiny that you and I right now can have. And if left untreated, it causes a loss of life. How many of us have thought of this? How many of us are willing right now to acknowledge that our community, we as Muslims, have a serious problem? Serious ignorance problem? That we are very cruel? That we are stigmatizing people that are the creation of Allah Azza wa Jalla. And you know what the consequences are? What are the consequences of us just stigmatizing people? Embarrassing them. Feeling embarrassed around those people. Shaming them. Questioning their faith. Not giving them solutions. Being harsh with them. You know what that does brothers and sisters? Wallahi, I'm on the end of that spectrum where I have to deal with people who are suffering from the abuse of the community, from the abusive families. I speak with pain when I speak to you. Because I've seen enough cases and we have dealt with enough suicide cases which are on the extreme but there are many who are on the brink what are the consequences of this attitude, this very dangerous attitude coming from the hearts and the minds of people who claim to love Allah who claim us meaning to bring the best to humanity to teach humanity about ethics and morals and humanity and care and compassion we are the same people who are being very cruel towards our own family members and to community members we speak out of one side of our mouths but act with something else, isn't it true? isn't that true? how many of us are willing to acknowledge this? and again, what are the consequences? here are the consequences I've seen these people, birth sisters, I see them regularly many of them are alienated many of those people who have, who understand they are suffering from something mental and this sisters, the brain is complicated brain is complicated, it has at least hundred billion neurons in it, with trillions of connections. You know the heart is is theoretically a much simpler organ. And you can imagine the number of diseases that that the heart can suffer from. Well, the brain is far more complex. Brain chemistry causes brain illnesses. It's very simple. Allah created that. It's not necessarily somebody causing it to themselves. No, they're not. Most people are not. It's a serious illness. So when they're being labeled when they're being shamed, when their faith is being questioned, what do you think is going to happen to them? It's terrifying what happens to them. We're literally worsening and deepening their stress. We're deepening their suffering and their problems, and I swear to you, many of them brothers and sisters, many of us are suffering in silence. Suffering in silence, being afraid of even bringing up the issue. Many people have been isolated from the community. Many are terrified of seeking treatment because if the word gets out, and I've heard this myself, I hear it all the time from people. They tell me if the word gets out about me, I'm done. I can't get married, my family will, will shame me, friends will shame me, nobody will talk to me. So they refuse to go to treatment. So, researchers are saying, you know, therapists are saying that the first deterrent to seeking treatment is stigma. It's stigma. It can cause the loss of lives, it can cause despair and hopelessness, and it's real. And these 8-month cases of suicide have happened only in the last few months in our community. From people of all age groups, 11, 13, 20, multiple, both sisters. And now adults and mothers who have children, who are very caring. So this is not a joke anymore it is something very severe very significant and this stigma needs to be reduced in order for us to be true to the claims that we have about Allah and our faith and I want to ask you today what does, what does our faith say about this today how of us still adopt this myth this fantastic crazy myth that indeed there is no depression there is no anxiety there is no distress in Islam You know, brothers and sisters, we live in an era where the stress levels are highest ever. Despite all the material comforts that we have, despite the access to education, there are enormous pressures on our youth, on our spouses, on our parents, to provide, to keep up with the demands of this day and age. It is extremely hard. This stress... Causes severe anxieties. And can drive people to the brink. I can tell you right now, the counseling center right here, one of the biggest universities, University of Maryland, the counseling center is booked up for several weeks. They don't have an open slot. People of all faith backgrounds, no faith, name it, brothers sisters, every human being is suffering. And they cannot keep up. And the number one issue that People are presenting with, young people are presenting with is depression and social anxiety. There's a lot of expectations on them. As I said, not you know, people who are suffering from mental mental issues, mental illnesses, they don't have to be people exhibiting cases like you know schizophrenia or bipolar, as I as I mentioned earlier. It could be anxieties of life, but it's booked up. I want to ask you, and sisters: do you think your children and my children, our spouses might not be suffering from the same thing? And again, I want to bring it back to our faith. What does our faith say? It turns out, brothers and sisters, that the preservation of life, which we understand to be the major, one of the major objectives and goals of sharia even. Preservation of life and well-being. Preservation of emotional and mental well-being of the human being. Allah wants you and me to feel whole, to feel good. That indeed when we suffer and when we experience pain, it's part of the design of Allah Azza wa Jal part of the design of Allah Jal, just as cancer, just as headaches, just as, you know, you know, mental disorders, nerve disorders, heart diseases, just as those are a form of a test from Allah Jal, that indeed mental illnesses are a test from Allah Jal. Part of the design of Allah, so that you and I seek treatment, seek healing. Why is it that Allah Jal calls himself a al- shafi Is is one of the names of Allah Jal. Al-Jabbar, the one who puts the broken hearts together. The one who heals and treats. The one who cures. Isn't it the Prophet ﷺ who said that Allah has excuse me, that there is not an illness that Allah has created, except that there is a treatment for it. Why did he mention the word Dawa? Dawah means seek it. Look for it, there is a treatment for it. He did not just say sit and make Dua. He did not just say Open the Quran, and Allah will treat your cancer and your headache. He never said that. He said, indeed, seek the intervention of the creator of the heavens and the earth, because the cure is with him. But meanwhile, go find the means. But realize, ultimately comes from Allah Azza wa Jal. We have treatments going back to his day and age, brothers and sisters. Medicinal treatments for all kinds of illnesses. Why is it suddenly that we cannot treat mental illnesses the same way? It's real suffering, and it's a real test from Allah Azzawajal. Do you know, you and I know that those closest to Allah, those closest to Allah, brothers and sisters, are the ones who bring healing to human beings, who preserve and save a life. Isn't Allah who said in the Quran, Ahyan jami'a"? Pay attention to this verse that we love to quote. We love to quote it to non-Muslims, isn't it true? In our faith events, every Muslim, Allah has memorized this verse. We want to teach them that mashallah, we care about saving human lives. We're not like ISIS and the killers and the extremists, right? We want to tell them that we're concerned about the blood of human beings. Same Muslims that might be abusive towards others emotionally are saying this. Not understanding that when someone is abused emotionally, that their mental illnesses are not being addressed and validated, and acknowledged that if they're not humanized, they themselves might end up taking their lives away and when they do so you and I are we not accountable? where is woman? whoever brings and the verse says whoever saves a life it's as if they've saved the lives of all beings one life is it merely saving a physical life by protecting somebody from a, from a, from a you know gunshot or a knife? no, but this is not, not, not the only thing it might be you Helping and supporting somebody who's suffering. Suffering mentally and emotionally before it's too late. Giving them the safe space. Encouraging them. Saying, I'm here for you. Showing them the love and the affection that they need because they're broken. Because maybe no one around them is giving them that. And I can tell you, there are many who are suffering silently. Isn't that our faith, brothers and sisters? I can share with you a beautiful account from the Prophet ﷺ. A report of how he used to look at people who are suffering even from mental illness. It is reported that a woman, one of the women, one of the people in the community, the early community of Prophet Muhammad actually suffered from a mental illness. People knew this. They might not have had the treatments that we have today. You and I might not know what to do. We might not have tangible solutions for people. But there are things we can do. And I can share with you what Prophet Muhammad did. He was walking, going out, going about his business. You can imagine how busy Prophet Muhammad was. Who's busier than Prophet Muhammad? What's his attitude if somebody presents and they're saying what appears to be what we label as crazy stuff, right? Talking loud, interrupting you, appearing to be, you know, causing commotion and so forth. How do you and I look at them, right? What would Prophet Muhammad do? This woman, while he's walking in the street with others, with others, she stops him. She stands in his way. What would you do? Would you run in the other direction? Would you say, oh, here she comes again. Right? Here comes the, this crazy woman. Let me run. Right? She's, she must be so weak. She's struggling. She causes this to herself. She's ungrateful. If she would only pray more and listen to me. She stopped and she says, I want to talk to you. And he's busy. What would he do? What do you think Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would do? What would you and I do? He stopped, brothers and sisters, And he said, absolutely, right now. And then because they were walking in the street, he, he said to her, pick the side of the street that you want to stand on so that I can talk to you. And she looked, and she picked one side of the road. And she said, I want to talk to you right here. He left everybody and went to her. What did he do? He started to listen. Empathetically. Opened his heart, his mind. Saw her humanity. She might have spoken what appears to you and me to be nonsense talked and talked and talked and talked while he's listening, brothers and sisters. Listening empathetically. You can imagine his gaze at her. You can imagine his look at her. Not a dismissive look. It was the look of, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm validating you. I acknowledge you. You're a human being and your suffering is real. Allah knows what she's said to him because nobody knows what she said to him. You know what that means? Confidential. How many of us when we hear stories, we peddle them out on the community? We said, we say, you know what happened to him? Did you know that they have a child who is such and such and such? But they're not talking about it. Can you believe that they, he went to the hospital? Mental institution? We love stories. You know what's amazing about this report? No one knew what the conversation was. Completely confidential. The Prophet listened and listened and listened. And after she was done, the Prophet asked her, What else? Tell me more. Tell me more. And then he said at the end to her, Do you have any more? Do you want to talk some more? She said, no, I'm done. I'm happy. Then she said she left. He went back, never discussed a thing, both sisters, with anybody about what she said to him. It's completely confidential, safe space. How did she leave? Did he give her medicine? He didn't have medicines to give her. There were no therapists, psychotherapists to help her out. But you know what he offered her? The human support, the presence, the time, the validation, the encouragement, the recognition, that I am here for you. That you are important to me. You know, but this is what that does to a human being gives them hope, makes them feel real. It normalizes the condition, too. You know what normalizing means? It's no longer looking like it's a crazy thing. It's not an abnormality. When we look at somebody who has a severe health issue, a health, you know, a heart problem, it's normal, isn't it? We don't look at it as something odd, it's another illness, it's a serious illness. When is the time going to come for us to look at mental illness in the same way? It's a real illness, but it's normal. It's everyday life, it's real suffering, and we need to help people who have it before it is too late. We ask Allah to make us acknowledge our ignorance and become humble enough to face the problems that we're dealing with and the struggles in a real, haran way. We ask Allah to make us among those who bring others to life and save lives before it's too late. With your brothers and sisters, Alhamdulillah, for our faith. Alhamdulillah, for the beauty of our faith, for the humanity of our faith. You know, we talk big. We have big ambitions as Muslims and we complain so much of our suffering. We complain so much of what others do to us. But we're the same people who are inflicting severe suffering upon our own, upon our children spouses, community members. When is the time going to come for you and me to be among those blessed, the gifts of Allah to this earth, who heal, who bring hope? That when people look at you and me, they find that comfort, that they're going to be opening their hearts to you. And how many of us are those that others can't trust, those who are suffering, that when they see you, they run away, because they know what you're going to say about them? When is the time going to come, brothers and sisters, for you and I to extend our hands? and lift people around us here are a few things we can do, brothers and sisters as I said, number one and alhamdulillah, we're blessed to be in a community like this in a masjid like this this is a very mature, intelligent, educated community number one, brothers and sisters we have to acknowledge again that we have a problem we can never treat a problem unless we acknowledge it we have a serious issue in our community the struggles are real, the pain is real the suffering is real And we're losing lives. And there are many people who don't necessarily have to go commit suicide, but they're going to suffer in serious, serious, serious pain, brothers and sisters, for a very long time, unnecessarily. And it's all because of stigma. We need to eliminate the stigma. And you know where it starts with you and me? It's not on Mars. It's not in another city. It starts here. How many of us would leave today saying, "I, I am ashamed of myself. That I need to look at Allah and apologize. Apologize for the attitudes that I might have had because I might have contributed to some people losing their lives. To get to the level where you say, We have a problem, I need to be the first to break it out, to be bold and courageous. You know, change, brothers and sisters. Most of our problems, wallahi, are problems of mindset and culture. We have a lot of problems in our culture. Seriously, a lot of problems in our culture. Our kids are losing their faith because of these things. I deal with issues of atheism daily. Our kids are losing their faith because they're not finding healing in our community because suddenly Islam doesn't look relevant to them and useful to them. Because when they go to their parents and their community and the masjid, they're not being healed. They say, why do I need this? I'm suffering and these people are deepening my suffering. I don't see the value of it. And their well-being is not taken care of so the consequences are very severe. When we question or think and reflect on the issues of atheism and the struggles and the addictions outside, you know where it's starts, brothers and sisters? Ba Allah, if you ask me right now, as a pastoral care provider, who deals with people of all age groups and ethnicities, and faiths even, who are suffering from problems, in counseling and in mentorship, I can tell you that it begins with healing. They need to find safe spaces, people they can trust to talk to. It doesn't have to be even a therapist. It begins with somebody they trust. But if you and I are not willing to acknowledge this and feel the humanity of those suffering, and if we label them, we're accountable in front of Allah. Few things to do. Number one, acknowledge the problem. Acknowledge your guilt and my guilt. Number two, brothers and sisters, offer support. There's nothing more beautiful than time. Our kids need time. Our parents need time. Our friends need time from us. The most valuable gift you can give to somebody is time. But who do we hang out with people we like? Isn't it true? To have fun. You're not going to become a healer, you and I. Faithful healers on this earth. Until we get to a point where we're willing to be inconvenienced. You know what inconvenience means? To get out of our way to be present for those who are suffering. That those that you find discomfort in sitting with, And to say, I'm going to force myself to sit with you. I'm going to force myself to make time for you. I'm going to make time to take you where you need to go. And instead of telling them, go open the Qur'an and just read it and it's going to solve your problem, Sure, remind them of Allah, they need it. All of us need reminders about Allah. Instead of telling them this or that solution, say to them, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Give them hope. Give them encouragement. Wallahi, most people just need a listening ear that is empathetic. Validate them. Acknowledge them. Make them feel good about themselves. That's the best gift you can give, brothers and sisters. And you know this gift sounds simple? It can be saving lives. The people that have lost their lives that I mentioned earlier did not have that. They did not have that. And you know where it ended up. Isn't it time for us to save lives, brothers and sisters? Saving a life means saving all humanity. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that, brothers and sisters? Alhamdulillah, last week... There's an effort even being launched here in a local community, an organization called Ummah that I work closely with, to address mental health issue. Another, inshallah, effort on the ground. There are many other efforts that are taking place to educate the community and raise awareness. We're doing a lot but this is on the ground to help our children because they need the healing in me immediately, before anything else, before we lose them. And maybe they will be living their lives, but they have lost their faith. What is faith worth to you and me? And sisters, help us out, Insha'Allah. Spread the word. Have conversations with your children before it's too late. Have conversations with your community member members. Be the trailblazers. Be those courageous voices that challenge what's happening, despite the friction. May Allah use us for good. May Allah make us a source of healing and encouragement and hope for those who need it. May Allah make us among those who extend our hands and our voices and our eyes and our hearts and our souls to lift the lives of others. May Allah make us among those who acknowledge their guilt to humble us, to make us understand the problems that we're dealing with. May Allah make us among those who save lives. May Allah save lives. May Allah save, may Allah save our brothers and sisters in Indonesia who are suffering right now because of the disaster that is afflicting them. In Rohingya, may Allah save their lives. May Allah heal them. May Allah have His mercy on them. May Allah Azza wa Jal heal all those who need the healing. May Allah Al Jabbar al Shafi grant his healing and his medicines to all those who are suffering. And may Allah use us for that purpose. Allah Ma'ameen, allahumma Ma'ameen, Allah Makhfilana warhamna wa'fu anna, الله امرنا واحسن خلاصنا اللهم اشفنا يا الله اشفنا يا الله ارحمنا برحمه تغنينا بها عن رحمه من سواك اللهم اجعلنا من الرحماء اللهم اجعلنا من الرحمة ارضى عنا يا الله وارضنا وتولى امرنا واحسن خلاصنا واجمعنا برسولنا الكريم محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وحسن اولئك رفيقا اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين واقم الصلاه